Alright, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. It is Thursday, September 13th. Uh, at 11.57, we are recording Late Night Jake episode. Uh, just watched a little bit of AFC North Battle, Ravens-Bengals. Uh, pretty good game, a little sloppy early on. Still don't really know what to expect out of either of these teams, but... Uh, it should be an interesting race in the AFC North. I'll get back to the other two teams in just a minute because this past weekend I was in Cleveland and I got to go to my 18th Cleveland Browns game. Not all of them have been in Cleveland, but the majority have been to a couple in Baltimore, a couple in New York. But uh, yeah, so my 18th game and surprisingly... I was 8-9 and nine coming into this game, uh, which is pretty shocking for Browns fans everywhere. You know, if you talk to any of my family members, uh, a lot of them have been to a lot more games than I have, and uh, their record is nowhere near as good. They've seen a lot of losses, um, but I've been fortunate enough to see some wins, and uh, this week saw my first ever tie. Yeah, uh, look, I'll just... Throw it out there, make it plain and simple, real easy. I'm not thrilled with the tie. You know, after losing so many games in a row, after going one and thirty-one, uh, there's a lot of hype coming into the season, and they end the losing streak with a tie. Now, the positives: they did end the losing streak, right? Uh, losing every week sucks. So walking out of the stadium without losing feels pretty good. And at first, it didn't feel good because. We just felt like we were robbed of a win because they had so many opportunities, right? They forced six turnovers. They had a field goal with a chance to win it very late in the game. They had the ball late in regulation with a chance to win the game. So it just felt like we were in position to win the game. And I say we when I talk about the Browns. I know some people don't like that. Go fuck yourself. I don't care. Um, I've spent and way too much money and devoted way too much time to get shit about that. Regardless, it just felt like we had so many opportunities to win this game and it was taken from us. Uh, but the good news is it's not like we had to leave the stadium and look at those smiling Steeler fans. I mean, they were up 21 to seven with eight minutes left and the ball. All they had to do was wind out the clock and they turned it over twice in the last seven minutes of the game. James Conner fumbled uh, after stripped by Miles Garrett. Jabril Peppers brings it to the one-yard line, and they rush it in from there. Then uh, later, Miles Garrett with a strip sack and gets Ben Roethlisberger his second sack of the game, his second forced fumble of the game. And uh, it's recovered, and the Browns later score on an incredible Josh Gordon touchdown catch uh, in the like, you know, down the sideline, his only catch of the game, he was basically used as a decoy most of the game. I don't know if they were worried about the weather. Uh, his snap count was a lot more than they said it was going to be. So that wasn't the thing. Um, but I think they were using him as a decoy because he wasn't 100 percent. So I'm looking forward to him being 100 percent. I have him in every fantasy football league. I've been waiting for him for the last couple of years. I have his merch. I have everything. I'm ready to roll for Josh Gordon. But you know, it, it's just, it might take a little time with, you know, he's coming back to gameplay, but he did show on that play. He still got it. And he was clobbered in the end zone in the third quarter. Joe Hayden climbed up his back to rip his face mask back and they didn't get the pass interference call. Um, 
There were a couple calls that game that are questionable. Uh, a couple did go the Browns' way, but it was just very inconsistent, and they uh, called a rough in the pass around Miles Garrett, which was extreme bullshit, and they later apologized for it, saying that they messed up the call. And that sucks because they would have kicked a field goal after Miles Garrett, you know, knocked Ben Roethlisberger to the ground on a third third and long, and he threw it out the end zone. But instead, they got a new first down, and that very next play, Josh John Connor runs in for a touchdown. So that's four points right there. That would have been, you know, instead of a field touchdown, it would have been a field goal. Regardless, this was a game the Steelers really should have won. It was twenty-one to seven late. They had the ball. And they blew it. And they had a chance to win in overtime, too, with a field goal. And Chris Boswell missed that, too. And it should be said, the weather was awful. It was really easy to lose the ball. It was really easy to miss kicks. So um, this isn't a classic LOL Browns blew it game. They came back in this one. And it felt really good to finally be on the other side of things. And I know they didn't get the win, but they didn't lose. You know, and, and I think it's just really funny to look at it like that because, you know, yeah, we've been through a lot of losing recently, but they could have easily packed this one in, given up another Steeler touchdown, and it would have been 28-7, to and trust me, it would be a whole lot more negative today than it would have been had the Browns not made that comeback. So they have some areas to improve, no doubt. Tyrod Taylor was very inaccurate and and. To be honest, his reads weren't that great either. He missed a lot of open receivers that he ended up either tucking and running or checking it down to Ninjoku or a running back. And, you know, that was another thing that Landry and Gordon were open for some big plays that he missed. So he's not going to be able to miss those when, yeah, if he wants to hold off Baker Mayfield. He's got New Orleans coming up. New Orleans going to score some points, even though the Browns' defense has really improved. You know, getting to the quarterback a lot, forcing sacks, forcing turnovers. The Browns' defense is getting better. Denzel Ward, two picks in his first game ever. That was awesome. But uh, this is Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. This offense is something that's better than it's better than that Steeler one, and it's going to be on turf. So, in their own one, they're going to be super motivated. This is going to be a really tough game. Browns are super underdogs for it, but we'll get to that line in a second too. But, it was a really great time, to be honest. Uh, obviously, we left the stadium feeling a little down, a little empty. You know, you, you have that feeling of that comeback, but you still have that empty feeling of not winning. But the one feeling we did have, which I don't usually get to see, is the Steeler fans leaving the stadium really bummed and really pissed off. Usually, it's just us doing that. Instead... Sunday, it was everybody was pissed off leaving. And seeing upset Steeler fans is pretty fucking cool. Not going to lie. I know a couple Steeler fans that uh, I'm going to bring it up to them when I see them because they should not have, they should have won that game. Uh, and they didn't. So it was pretty cool for that to happen. But regardless, great time in Cleveland. Thank you. Big shout out to my cousin Adele and her boyfriend Nick for hosting me Saturday night in Cleveland. Uh, we went to a couple really cool bars, and then afterwards got some late-night barrio, which is the best. I mean, if you talk about late-night drunk food, the barrio tacos are, are on the upper echelon of drunk food. Um, actually, 
if we're doing a Mount Rushmore, because I haven't done a power rankings or a Mount Rushmore or whatever you want to call it, of drunk foods, my top five drunk foods, okay? Number five, you know, we'll, we'll start off since I, I've, you know, since I can remember, have always been a big Chinese food fan. So if I'm doing triple green outside of the boathouse, bar A, anchor tavern, DJs in Belmar, triple green, get some shrimp fried rice, maybe some pork lo mein, and uh, I mean, an egg roll and general so chicken. That is number five on my all-time rankings of drunk food. Uh, number four, uh, this, is, this is where it gets a little bit tough because now I have to choose my pizza place. And uh, that's a little tough because, you know, I don't always have the pizza I want when I'm drunk. Um, but I'll go ahead and go with, uh, I'll just go with heating up old pizza. I'm, I'm a big fan of just like, you know, of cold pizza and leftover pizza. And, you know, I'm going to go with Manasquan, Squan Tavern or Vicks in Bradley Beach and make that just a leftover pizza is my number four. Uh, you can sub in a lot of different ones. To be honest, if we're going to Ohio, uh, I love a good slice of Joey's Pizza or Avalon Gardens, Briar Hill Pizza, heated up, thrown on the skillet. That's it. That's it right there. On the skillet, number four uh, is Briar Hill Pizza, heated up late for number four drunk food. Number three, I'll throw in Barrio. You know, we'll go there and do the late night taco scene. They have a really great menu. You know, what's really cool about Barrio is they have pads on each table and you rip off the paper and it has, it's like a checklist of like, what do you want on your taco? Uh, what kind of shell do you want it in? What kind of cheese? What kind of toppings? And it's basically just, you, you know, X marks the spot. You mark each box, write your name on it, hand it in, and they bring it out to you in a couple minutes. There's barely any weight. Uh, I got, I mean, I got like a really cool one. It was called like the stoner shell or whatever, where it was like a hard shell wrapped in like chorizo and queso and then a soft shell out, out on the outside of it, like the cheesy gordita crunch, but with chorizo mixed in. Um, and then I had Coca-Cola marinated steak inside, a little of the corn salsa, hot sauce, guac. Oh man, it was phenomenal. It's actually a shame I only have it as number three, but since it's somewhat new to the Jake podcast, it's going to be hard to surpass these top two for uh, the, like, you know, the number one, number two drunk foods of the Jake podcast. All right, number two um, on the Jake podcast all-time drunk food list, we're going with Windmill. All right, we're staying and we're going back to Belmar, Belmar, New Jersey, where I've I live and uh, where everything, you know, where and I go out, this is where I do drunk food. And uh, the windmill hot dogs is usually what people go for, but the cheese fries is the ultimate drunk food there. They have the best cheese fries in the world. It is, I mean, I mean, their cheese fries are on my echelon, upper echelon of all-time best potatoes. That's how good these cheese fries are. So uh, windmill cheese fries, and I'm going crazy here. Uh, a lot of people are going to think I'm nut job for saying this, but I love a windmill burger. I love a, like a flame broiled burger. It's charred. It's a little burnt. 
I like getting a California burger with lettuce, tomato, mayo on it and throw some bacon on it and get the cheese fries. That's my number two drunk food is windmill burgers and fries. I don't even get the dogs anymore. I used to be a chili cheese dog fan, but it's too messy for me. Just give me the burger, give me the fries. But the number one, the number one drunk food on the Jake podcast, going with the Parker House Tavern. You go upstairs and you get the $3 sliders. It's impossible to beat that. And you know what? If you're feeling a little fancy, if you want to get a little crazy, a little late night, it's 11 o'clock, they're closing up the tavern, you've got 12 bucks to burn, and you're like, I want to get a lobster, you can go ahead and get a lobster for $12. It's small, but you get the claws, the tail, the whole damn thing. It's the best 12 bucks you can spend, in my mind, unless you're getting four of the sliders. And, I mean, it's just so cheap. It's after a great night at the Parker House or Friday nights in the summer. It's the best drunk food there is out there because you can walk and eat with it. They just hand it to you. I'm in walking distance of my house anyway. It, I mean, there's no question. Number one drunk food ever. Parker House Tavern. Give me the sliders. Give me the lobster. Great stuff. So, yeah. So, I mean, this was all come on by the Barrio situation from when Nick and Adele took me to Cleveland. And then I uh, got a good night's sleep, ready for some tailgating in the monsoon. We got some uh, White House blueberry donuts for the morning. Those are delicious. Then we took on the tailgate, which was disgusting. It was a real bummer because we, A, didn't get the Browns bus because uh, there was just so many of us that we couldn't fit on one bus. So we let uh, you know my uncle's like cousin or whatever who had a big crowd, they took the bus we jumped on like a like a limo bus type thing, Fab Limo, uh, which was great actually because it's a much more comfortable ride. And since there was less of us, you had more room to be comfortable on the way back, which that's the more important part. The ride up, everybody's excited, but um, the ride back is an hour to Youngstown. You want to be comfortable. And uh, it was important to me on that. So I was cool with that. Uh, unfortunately, didn't get to see any of my boys. I uh, really wanted to meet... Jake Burns, Damon Keckman, and a couple of the other guys I've had on the podcast. But, you know, the weather and the fact that we didn't get to park in our typical spot kind of stopped me from doing a few of the things I wanted to do at the Browns game. So that was a real bummer. Uh, Looking forward to finally meeting those guys in person. I've only ever met them via Skype or on the phone. So uh, I would love to, you know, split a beer or get a couple beers with these guys and, uh, you know, talk Browns and probably watch a game with them. I kind of... You know, if the Browns start to improve, I might need to uh, reserve a day or two for vacation to go out and get another Browns game in. I would love to see them again this season because I think they're going to be improved this year. You know, I it's only one game in, but the way that they were just tougher than usual against the Pittsburgh Steelers, a game where usually they blow it late and instead they came back late. And the Steelers, this game, you know, if you look at the whole season, you say the top five hardest games of the 16-game season, you'd say home against the Steelers to start the season is probably one of the hardest games of the year. You know, the Steelers had all summer to prepare for this. Now they didn't have Le'Veon Bell. The weather was bad. Um, But this is supposed to be one of the tougher games of the year. I know the Browns have a pretty tough schedule this year with the NFC South and the AFC West. And then the Texans and the Jets both look improved. So kind of... 
you know, got unlucky there. Whereas, you know, the Bengals and Ravens get to play teams like the, you know, Titans, Colts, and Bills. Browns have to play the Jets, who look to look to be very improved this year, and, and the Texans. But you know, there's there's some wins on the schedule this year for the Browns. I know uh, it's tough to say that when they have a one one in forever, but I do believe that they're an improved team, and I'm excited to check them out. Uh, so yeah, it was a great weekend in Cleveland. Didn't get the win that we were all hoping for, but you know what? They're going in the right direction. And I'll talk more about them in a second. But what I want to do this week, something I haven't done ever on the show before, I want to do this every Thursday. Now, I won't be able to get the Thursday night game in, but I'll do a little recap of that before jumping into the lines, the spreads. I want to pick my games this weekend, put my money where my mouth is. So um, the Bengals, you know, 34-23 victory over the Ravens. Uh, This division is tough to read right now because – there are a lot of positives and negatives about every team. I don't know if this division's all that great, but I think the AFC North is going to be very competitive where I could see really anyone except the Steelers coming in last place. And uh, I can actually see anybody coming in first place. It's one of those years where it's just going to come down to how do you fare in the divisional games? And, you know, like, do you split series or do you take the road games and stuff like that i think it's gonna be a very um a very tight race the whole year round the ravens look to be a flawed team on offense um their defense applies pressure they have some pretty good d banks when they're all healthy um but then again they gave up 34 points to uh the bengals just a week after stomping the bills i think the Ravens are going to be kind of an inconsistent team all year where you see a good week and you see a bad week from them. Uh, Lamar Jackson is probably going to be the starter sooner or later because regardless of where you drafted the guy and while people think they drafted him to be the franchise quarterback, hint, you wouldn't trade down twice and take a tight end before Lamar Jackson if you thought Lamar Jackson would be your franchise quarterback, okay? They took him because they kind of ran out of options and said, well, I guess we got to take him now. Now that he's in the building, you've got this guy with an immense amount of talent. Sooner or later, it's going to be his team. It's going to be his offense. Uh, they started playing, and he he got 31 snaps last week. He got a couple rushes this week. Uh, I don't think he got to actually throw the ball, but they're getting him into games, and sooner or later, he's going to be the starter there. The receivers are improved. You know, Crabtree, Sneed, John Brown is a pretty good trio, uh, but their tight ends is... They have a group of four guys, Boyle, Max Williams, Mark Andrews, and uh, and Hayden Hurst. All four of them played. So this is like a tight ends team, Baltimore. And uh, that's, I think, where Joe Flacco excels over uh, Lamar Jackson because he had, you know, Lamar Jackson doesn't really have these true inline tight ends they had in college. Um, now that he's in the pros, it's, it's very different with these inline tight ends. So it'll be interesting to see how they adjust that to him. And they do play their running backs and wide receivers. Buck Allen was lining in the slot half the game. Um, I think the Ravens are very beatable. I think if you have them coming into your house, you can beat them. They're always tougher in Baltimore. Uh, it's a pretty tough place to play. So that should be interesting to see how they, they fare on the road and at home. They beat the crap out of the Bills, but then they go into Cincinnati and... Uh, 
they made a nice comeback. They're almost there, but you know, if you could get pressure on Joe Flacco, you shouldn't have trouble beating them. That's how I see it. But with the Bengals, uh, I'm impressed with them, to be honest. I know they beat the Colts last week, and to me, that wasn't really impressive. I thought the Bengals are better than the Colts, so that's fine. But they hung up 34 points in back-to-back weeks. Baltimore's defense is better than the Colts' defense, and they still put up 34 points. A.J. Green looked like a monster out there with three touchdowns in the first half. If they can run the ball, if Joe Mixon and the O-line can you know, stop getting holding calls every time they get a five-yard run, uh, they should have a pretty balanced offense. Uh, and then their defense, they actually have a surprisingly good defensive backfield, and they've always had a pretty good D-line. So they seem to be kind of like an average team. I think they could be around eight, nine wins. I had to pick this to start the season. I had them coming in uh, fourth, getting like six wins, but I, I see them leapfrogging the Ravens. And obviously after, you know, winning tonight's game, already having that on them, it seems more doable, but uh, that, that'll be, uh, that'll be an interesting race. You know, the AFC North. So, um, all right, let's jump into this week's games. Okay, so that one's passed, but let's go to Carolina Panthers at Atlanta Falcons. Now, Panthers beat the Cowboys in Week One, uh, and the Falcons lost to the Eagles. It was the Eagles, you know, ring ceremony. It was at Philly, pretty hostile crowd, and yet the Falcons were still in it right at the end, and they lost. Um, they did lose Keanu Neal and Deion Jones, which uh, those are some th- those are really tough injuries to be going through. That those guys, I'm pretty sure, are out the whole season. So those would be tough injuries, but. The Falcons with some extra rest, you know, they have 10 games, 10 days to prepare for this game. Um, They're going to be hungry because of that tough loss to the Eagles who ended their season last year and now, you know, started their season 0-1 now because of that. Uh, I don't think the Carolina Panthers are all that good. I think the Falcons, you know, opening up this stadium at home will will look pretty good and uh, win this game. I think uh, we're looking at the Falcons to win and also cover the five and a half points that they're laying at home. This is going to be a big Julio Jones game. He always does well against the Panthers. I think this is 28-17 Falcons over the Panthers. And uh, we should see how Carolina does without Greg Olson now. And if they can replace him with Ian Thomas, the rookie tight end from Indiana, or if they have to go wide receiver route, which I think would be problematic. Uh, maybe Christian McCaffrey gets a heavier workload, but this seems like a big bounce back week for the Falcons, who suddenly look very vulnerable, and uh, that should be interesting going forward. But I got Falcons covering the five and a half and winning the game. Uh, next up, Indianapolis Colts are at the Redskins. Redskins are also laying five and a half. Uh, very impressive debut last week uh, against Arizona. I think uh, Alex Smith, I like him. You know, every every year he gets uh, shit on for being like a game manager, but but you know what? He constantly just goes in there and does his job, and every time you count him out, he does even better. So I like him for Washington, um, and I don't think the Colts are all that impressive to me. I think the Redskins will win this game. Um, I think. They will not cover, 
I think the five and a half is a lot, and I think that Andrew Luck and the Colts will at least be able to hang some points on the Redskins, and this is more of like a 23-20 victory for the Redskins uh, in Washington. Uh, Tennessee Titans are hosting the Houston Texans. Uh, this one, I have, I can't believe the Titans are favorite here. I don't like the Titans at all. I'm, I'm taking the Texans for the upset to not only cover, but also win the game. It's very interesting, you know, uh, what they're going to do. Delaney Walker is out. Do they go replace him with Jonu Smith, who seems to be, uh, like a young Delaney Walker clone? I expect Corey Davis to get a lot more attention. And uh, we shall see if Deion Lewis even picks up more of the carries. Uh, he really outpaced Derrick Henry in week one, uh, which I'm a little surprised by. I thought Henry was going to run away with this job, but Deion Lewis, uh, I guess, being you know just the, the Belichick running back that came over, should be really interesting going forward with those two running backs. But I think uh, the Texans after having a really tough week one loss. These are both 0-1 teams, but I think the Texans win this game at Tennessee. I think Deshaun Watson gets a little bit of a bounce-back game. Uh, Houston's my pick to win the South, so I'm, i got to hang with them here. So I'm taking the Texans to win uh, at Tennessee. I'm looking at 31-17. Uh, to 17. Uh, I, I like the Texans big in this one. Okay, uh, Eagles are at Tampa. Eagles are giving three. They're on 10 days rest. Tampa with that big week one upset over New Orleans. A lot of people did not see that one coming. Uh, me included. I picked Tampa to be one of my worst teams in the NFL. But 10 days rest. You know, Nick Foles really needs that. Um, he, he hasn't looked really great so far in the preseason. And week one, they, I know, are Really hoping Carson Wentz is going to be ready to roll for week three against the Colts. But right now they're going to be rolling with Foles. Uh, Fitzpatrick, can he duplicate that Fitz magic this week again for the Eagles? Uh, it's going to be their home opener. I'm very interested to see if this Tampa team is for real. I think they're going to have a big regression. I think the Eagles win this one. They're just a better team in every area of the ball. I think the Eagles cover and win this game. Uh, 35 to uh, 23. Uh, this one, Buccaneers look like they can score some points, but Eagles are on another level. I think they're the best team in football. So, um, at least for now, you know, there's going to be some really tough competition in that NFC, but uh, for now, the Eagles are still cream of the crop. Chiefs at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is giving five. This should be a very, very good game. Uh, I'm surprised it's a 1 o'clock and not like that 4 o'clock, you know, Jim Nance game that everyone is always looking to watch. Uh, I'm in on Pat Mahomes. I'm in on the Chiefs offense. I think Tyreek Hill presents problems for them. Sammy Watkins really in there as a decoy, if anything. And then Kelsey and Hunt uh, throughout the middle of the, the field. They're going to be a good offense, but this seems like a Steeler bounce back game for me. I think the Steelers uh, are pissed off at the way that game against the Browns ended. John Connor can do. Uh, is it James Connor? Am I even saying John Connor this whole time? Have I really been fucking that up this whole time? Wow, that uh, that is very 
Good job, Jake. Wow, well done. So James Connor, my bad. If I think I think I've been saying John Connor this whole time, but uh, James Connor, he's proving to be an NFL starting running back. You know, like if all you had to do is watch this guy. I know um, he had some big chunk plays against the Brown, but he's he's a good running back. He's lost some weight too. He looks like leaner than usual. So uh, I think he will do well for the Steelers going forward. I think the Steelers win this game. Uh, but I don't think they cover the five. Uh, this one, I got 28-24 Steelers beating the Chiefs. Uh, should be I'm going to be pulling for the Chiefs, obviously, but I think uh, both these teams are playoff teams this year, and uh, it's it just, you know what, this is going to be a tough environment for Mahomes to go into. I think they take a little bit of a regression from their week one victory, and I think the Steelers are desperate. This week, moving on, uh, Miami Dolphins at the New York Jets. Jets are laying three. Look, a star is born. Is that the cover of a Mark Sanchez after his first victory, b Geno Smith after his first victory, or c Sam Darnold after his first victory? <coughs> the answer is. D, all the above. Look, we've seen this dance before. Sam Darnold, real deal. Stars born. Mark Sanchez. Geno Smith. Like, these guys have all gotten the hype. Now, I understand Darnold's better than what these guys were. You know, Geno Smith was a second-round pick. Mark Sanchez was a one-year wonder at USC where people weren't even sure if he was the best quarterback at USC. Darnold's got it all. I think he's going to have a very solid career in the NFL, but let's calm down just a second. He didn't, you know, he didn't even throw for 200 yards. His defense really spotted him a lot of points. Now, I think this Jets team is pretty good. I picked them to come in second in the AFC East, and I really do like that pick now because I think it's going to totally happen. I think they beat the Miami Dolphins. Uh, they are going to have a big home field factor now that uh, everyone is jumping on the Jets bandwagon. And I think they win the game by 10 points. This could be 24-14 Jets. Uh, but I don't think Sam Darnold is going to wow everybody as much as they think he will. Um, I'm going to be watching him closely this week. But I do win and cover the three points. All right. Uh, Chargers at Bills. Chargers are laying seven and a half. Uh, this is one of those tough ones because on paper you look and say, yeah, no duh. Chargers are a lot better than the Bills. But it's that one o'clock coming across the country for the Chargers. Uh, I still like them to cover the seven and a half because I think the Bills just, just really suck. You know, they really uh, don't have much of a semblance on offense right now. And I just, uh, there's nothing about the Bills that scares me. They're a defensive team that defense just gave up like a billion points to the Baltimore Ravens. And their offense is going to, they're like third quarterback in the last three weeks. They should have kept McCarron. Nathan Peterman can't play. And Josh Allen is thrown to nobody. I think they're going to struggle, and I think the Chargers, even though they're coming across the country for a 1 o'clock start, 
uh, they just they're just a good team, and they're going to be desperate after that Kansas City loss. I got the Chargers <coughs> winning this one, twenty four to six. Yeah, I think the Chargers defense is also really underrated. So that's another thing that we got to look for. Okay, we're still on the one o'clock games. We got two more: Minnesota Vikings and Green Bay Packers. This is a good one. Uh, look, if Aaron Rodgers playing, what I say? They're they're a playoff team. He's the MVP. Uh, if he's not playing, they're a four win team. So he's in this game. This should be really interesting. They're both one and zero. He had that hell of a comeback against the Bears that really ripped out their souls. But uh, in this one, I think it's going to be a tougher test. I think Minnesota's got the better team, but man, Aaron Rodgers. He, he might have a special season this year. Uh, that comeback victory against the Bears to start the season was awesome. And I think the crowd is going to be bonkers for this Minnesota Vikings game because they know exactly what this means going forward. I think this is an offensive affair. I think it's going to be the best game of the weekend. And I think the Packers win 31-28. Uh, covering the one point that they're laying right now. All right. Last one o'clock game. My favorite pick of the weekend. Browns at Saints. Saints laying eight and a half. Whoa. Eight and a half is a lot of points for a team that just tied the Steelers last week. Um, Look, there's hope for the Browns. You know, they've got some really good players on the defensive side of the ball, and I think they're going to get to Drew Brees some. Uh, they're going to have to bring him down. Uh, he doesn't escape quite like Ben Roethlisberger does, so I think they'll get more sacks this week. Even though they are able to protect him against Tampa Bay last week, uh, Armstead and Ramchek, the, you know, pretty good tackles, but this, uh, this Browns front is better than a lot of people realize, and I think that's going to set up a really uh, a good game plan for them. They need to cover Alvin Kamara. I mean... He's the biggest X factor. I think he's going to have a huge day. And uh, he will be the biggest reason if the Browns are able to upset uh, New Orleans. They will need to stop him. Uh, Michael Thomas is going to get a ton of targets. They'll need to cover him. Denzel Ward and uh, Terrence Mitchell have their hands cut out. But you know what? If they play Thomas like they played Antonio Brown last week, He'll probably still have a good game, but not like a kill them game, like 16 catch game. So I see Michael Thomas having a good game. I see Alvin Kamara having a big game. Uh, I think the Saints are probably going to win this game, but I think eight and a half is too much. Uh, I don't know what happened to the Saints defense, but I think the Browns are able to put up 21 to 24 points on them. And I think uh, the Saints are able to score 24 to 28 points. And we're looking at somewhere between 28 to 21, 24 to 21, 28 to 24, something like that. Where the Saints slip out, get the victory, Browns go back to their losing ways. But hope in Cleveland, as they tied the Steelers last week, they go down. And I think their offense needs to improve. And uh, this is a good opportunity for them to really see if Tyrod Taylor can hold off Baker Mayfield because he won't have the weather to uh, use as a scapegoat this week. So I have the Browns covering, but the Saints winning. 
Uh, the Saints are also desperate after that weird Tampa game. So, uh, uh, I, yeah, that's why I got. I got the Saints. All right, going to the four o'clock games. Two zero and one teams. Lions at San Fran. San Fran's laying five and a half. Uh, huge bounce back week for the Niners for me. Uh, I don't know what to expect from the Lions. I uh, think they're better than what they did against the Jets, but I think the Niners are also a pretty good team. I think they're going to make the playoffs still, and uh, I think they're going to put up a pretty big offensive day, 35 points, and I think the Lions get somewhere around 21. (coughs) Sorry, excuse me. Uh, I've been coughing and sniffling up a storm, but I think the Niners cover the 5.5 that they're laying to Detroit. Big bounce-back week for Jimmy G. Uh, we'll see how they do spreading the ball around because right now they look like their options are limited. You know, with McKinnon getting going down, Marquise Goodwin being banged up, uh, it should be a Pierre Garcon kind of game. Uh, and with the Lions, uh, they're just a sloppy team. Yeah, sloppy team. I don't, I don't like it. I'm not ready to pick them at all yet. All right, Cardinals are at the Rams. Rams are laying 12 and a half. It's a lot of points. I'm not ready to take 12 and a half. I know the Cardinals didn't show up last week uh, at Washington, and the Rams are certainly better than Washington, but I don't know. I'm just I'm not ready to bury the Cardinals. I think they're going to be a better team than people think. Uh, I think this one's going to be 28. 31 uh, to 21, and I think uh, the Cardinals cover, but the Rams go to 2-0. and They are my pick for the one seed in the NFC. They're my pick to make it and win the Super Bowl. So I'm, I'm going with them, and I think uh, they're a really well-rounded team. They've got all pros at a lot of positions. Pats at Jags. Pats are laying two. I like the Patriots here. Uh... They won by seven last week to the Texans, who I think are a better team than the Jaguars. Uh, or uh, I'm sorry, not a better team, but uh, going to be better this year because I think the Jags have a great team. But Blake Bortles is going to have to win this game. Uh, they don't really know if Leonard Fournette is healthy or not. Uh, I think TJ Owens a pretty good replacement back for them. They've got a nice stable there, and they've got some good receivers, but... I don't really see them scoring a whole lot of points, and I think the Patriots are going to flex their muscles a little bit because I think people are in their organization are probably tired of people saying, oh, the Jags almost got them. So I see uh, Patriots rolling into Jacksonville winning 24-17, uh, covering the spread and winning outright. Uh, next up, Raiders at Broncos. I think this is kind of like a shit show. Uh, I don't think either team are all that good, but I think the Raiders are garbage. And where the Raiders need to do better at is getting Amari Cooper the ball and David Carr, uh, Derek Carr, spreading the field a little bit. And I think they're going to struggle against Denver doing that. I think Denver wins this game. And I think they cover the 5.5, winning this game 21-10. to this is a, a tough game to call because I don't know. I'm not a believer in either team. I'm just, uh, I don't know. And, and I guess in toss-up games, you want to take these points. 
So maybe go with the Raiders. But it's at Denver. And uh, their strength is really going to hurt the Raiders. So maybe I'll take the 5.5 there and say uh, this one's more like 21-17. Yeah. I think that's where I'm going with. Taking the points of the Raiders. Um, all right. Giants at Cowboys. Sunday night football. One of the uh, best ones. I'm taking the points here uh, because I don't think the Cowboys are all that good. Cowboys are laying three to the Giants. I think, uh, I think Zeke eats up the Giants defense. Maybe gets like two touchdowns. But I also think Odell... Uh, Saquon and that whole Giants bunch actually win this one. Dallas falling to 0-2. Giants uh, stepping up, getting their first win of the year. I think they win this one 31-24. Uh, another good Cowboys-Giants battle that goes the Giants' way. Um, I do think that Giants' defense is a little underrated, and I think uh, they hung in there with the Jags last week so this will be a much easier test both teams are going to be desperate but i think the giants are just a better team and finally we go to monday night football the seattle seahawks are at the chicago bears the bears are laying three and a half look i think the bears are absolutely distraught after last week's loss but you know what they're the better team than the seahawks i think if they can get after russell wilson they won't have a problem winning this game because I don't think the Seattle Seahawks offense is that good. And I don't think their defense is much of a match for Chicago's <laughs> surprisingly basic but effective offensive game plan of getting the ball to the backs and uh, averaging seven to eight yards of play. I think the Bears win this one, but I'm going to take the Seahawks to cover uh, 20 to 17. I think the Bears win this one. And uh, finally get on the board. So those are my picks. I'll uh, have to write them out for everyone because I kind of just did them on the spot. Uh, I do uh, not feel all that confident just yet. It's just week two. It's always really tough to pick these ones. Um, you know, if if we're talking, uh, if we're talking Survivor, uh, my Survivor pick would be the Chargers. Uh, even though they're coming across country, uh, they're just betting against the Bills is a smart thing to do right now. Um, and then, you know what? Uh, I, I can see a lot of these games going other ways. I think Atlanta has a really big bounce back. I think New Orleans has a big bounce back. Um, and I think Houston has the big bounce backs of the week. So really good stuff. Um, I'm excited for the Browns to finally get a win. I don't know if that's coming this week, but... It's coming soon. They're an improved bunch. Should be exciting times in Cleveland going forward. Uh, I think that's all we got this week. Not a whole lot going on. It's still mid-September. You know, uh, Parker House is closed for the summer. It was a great summer. I might have aged out. Uh, I know my over-under was, I think, 12 and a half, but I hit it 15 times this summer. I know. That was a big one. So, uh I got my Parker House quote in. The summer bar's over. We're now looking at fucking apple picking and pumpkin patches and hay rides and all that shit. So, excited for the fall. We're going through the monsoon. Uh, for all of you guys down there in the Carolinas, please stay safe. Uh, change your voicemails to uh, your current status to let your loved ones know. Even if they can't reach you, they can listen to your voicemail. 
and you can update that whenever you want and include the time and place you were at when you're recording it so people know and uh, please take care of your animals too they rely on you uh, if you have a pet don't leave them behind so uh, thanks everyone for listening to the Jake podcast uh, I'm sure to have more non-football stuff coming next week but for now uh, this was a big pick'em week my first ever as uh, the host of the Jake podcast so hopefully I do well and we'll continue forward all right take care guys talk to you next week